on this episode of AV Week, the safety procedures Avixa is putting in place for Infocom 2021 happening this fall. Also taking a look at one of the first AV trade shows to hit the stage and discrimination in the industry. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 510, recorded Friday, May 28th, 2021. Coaching moment. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sennheiser. For over 75 years, Sennheiser has been a leader in pro audio and is now offering a wide variety of touchless and traditional audio solutions for both corporate and educational campus-wide audio. And by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright, your host, with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. And we have a couple of doozies, let me tell you. Uh, first and foremost, Erica Williams from Henderson in- Engineers, uh, just down Highway 70 from me. Welcome, ma'am. Welcome. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Uh, a gentleman I haven't seen in a year and a half in person. Uh, he's one of my favorite Tims. Uh, including myself, Tim Trost, uh, from Middle Atlantic slash uh, LeGrand AV. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Good, good. Good to see you. Uh, and a young man I met uh, virtually a year ago, uh, and now he works for one of my uh, one of my buddies, um, Mr. John Ivey over at Atlas IED, Executive Vice President Matt Krzyzewski, uh from Atlas IED. Welcome, sir. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Good to be here. All right, thanks so much. Uh, first story comes to us and it kind of blew up on on the Twitters, as as the kids say. Uh, this actually comes to us from the DailyMail.co.uk, which I believe is the first time I've ever uttered that on uh, on AV Week. Uh, a first story from the Mail: um, a uh, an employee of Exertus over in the UK uh, is suing the distribution uh, the distributor for six point six million pounds, roughly nine point four million dollars US for racist abuse and discrimination. The 36-year-old has already won claims of racial discrimination. Uh, He was allegedly told he was, quote-unquote, the only ethnic on the team and called a, quote-unquote, temperamental Syrian immigrant who was working for ISIS. Among other insults, he he is alleging he was referred to as an Arab shoe bomber, uh, a tribunal in the UK had found three of his co-workers did indeed racially harass him. Uh, we did reach out to Exertus for a comment. This is what they had to say. Uh, the quote-unquote, the employment tribunal decision relates to Exertus and a breach of the Equality Act 2010 within a specific area of the business. When the complaint was made four years ago, a full internal investigation took place, resulting in disciplinary action. We fully respect the tribunal's decision and take the findings extremely seriously. This was a unique case across a business of more than 1,800 employees. However, it was clear that certain behaviors fell significantly below the standards we expect. Our response and ongoing commitments to invest heavily in increasing awareness in relation to diversity will ensure that this should not happen again. Tim, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you and Matt both work for, for multinationals, uh, Legrand uh, headquartered in, in Paris. When you look at diversity um, and um, inclusion policies and training, 
what else can can a corporation do to ensure something like this doesn't happen? And if it does, it's handled, I don't know, a little bit more quickly or, or uh, a little bit more swiftly than it appears, at least, you know, this this took place. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a heartfelt story. I mean, you, you feel for the, the guy just having this experience, you know, we being a European based company have woven in our fabric. DEI and and uh, CSR. It's part of our metrics. It's part of our financial um, targets as an organization, and and we make commitments on an annual basis to continually improving um, the the workforce and our ability to support and, and include people of of all sorts of backgrounds. So, you know, it's it's a tough one, and unfortunately, um, having had um, some of our own uh, different types of of issues uh, surface in the past. Uh, I think the point you make about urgency, speed, and uh, and responsiveness of the organization is what, from the outside looking in, you, you want to see as a as a company, especially in the industry where we're actively pursuing and trying to drive it. But um, you know, internally within the organization, it starts starts with the team members. It starts with the people. Um, if you see something, say something. You know, kind of that that adage. Um, and the magnitude in which this has has transpired, um, yeah, you, you got to think about the culture and the organization and, and how they respond to things. Erica, nobody can see you, but you are nodding your head. So I'm going to go to you next. Uh, I'll, I'll point out the fact that three of the employees uh, were found to have harassed uh, this this young man. Uh, one of those, though, was his direct supervisor, right? And, and these these um, the other two is supervisor. When you look at a story like this, what does that that say to you about you know kind of the the inclusion of the industry and, and what we have still yet to learn? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, it says a lot. Um, and like Tim said, it comes down to the employees. You know, um, I'm sure most of us can say that we've seen our organizations making D and I pledges, and you know, we're putting out infographics and emails about all these changes that we're making and everything else. But when it comes down to it, it leadership isn't going to solve this problem alone. Um, creating policies obviously help. Um, and honestly, in, the, in that statement that they had to say that the behavior fell below uh, their standards and whatnot, I'm, I'm not familiar, obviously, with European law, but I mean, it's it's a zero it's a zero tolerance policy. Like you can't say that their behavior fell below your expectations. That, that That's a zero tolerance thing that that people need to start upholding and being saying the right words to vocalize that, um, because the, the way that sounds, it just makes, you know, it makes me think I, they're just going to let people happen, ha let it happen again, and they're just going to get a smack on the hand for it. Um, and that's where it trickles down actually to the employees. You know, you're right. Absolutely. Tim, that if you see something, say something. And we've seen in, in companies and in society and just so much over the last year that people need to stop waiting for someone else to do something. People need to take action because the worst action is inaction. Um, don't be afraid to speak up. And, you know, in, in this guy's case with the supervisor, like a company of 1800 people, you're telling me that every person in that company or every person in that unit that he worked was okay with what was happening. I find that very unlikely. So, you know, check your, check your employee handbook. What is the order? What is the order of reporting? You know, if it's the supervisor that's doing something wrong, then what's the next step? Don't just wait for somebody else to do it. You have to speak up and take action. And, you know, honestly, if you go through all the motions at the office and stuff still isn't happening, 
Put them on a shame board, put them on Twitter so people know, you know, we've done this. That recently happened with Google, actually. There was one of the, there was a woman, I think she was part of the marketing department and suffered from all kinds of discrimination. And then she said, you know what, I'm taking the social so people know, like, don't do business with those people because they obviously don't have a culture that sounds very good, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't work there, but it doesn't sound good. And those aren't the kinds of people that I would want to do business with. Those aren't, that's not the type of business that I want to reflect poorly on my business culture. So you actually bring a really good point up about not doing business with them. We'll point out the fact that Exertus has expanded over the years. Uh, this past um, fall stampede here in the States and in North America uh, they would they would they had already been purchased by Exertus um, um, previous, but they trans uh, transferred their name from uh, Stampede to Exertus to give more of a global uh, global um, outreach um, for that name, as opposed to Midwich, um, who does own a number of distributors, uh, including our friends of, at at, at, uh, at Starin here in the states. Matt, talk for a second. Uh, what can we do with, with a moment like this to to use it as 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 a teaching moment or a, a coaching moment for your employees, but also for, you know, your representatives. I mean, uh, America makes a point. Exertus is a distributor. So in, in some sense, they are a representative of the brands that they carry, right? So how can we use this as, as a coaching moment for manufacturing and all the way through the chain? Well, I think Erica made and, and Tim made some great points and, and um, how that can be, you know, utilized as a teaching moment is just looking at at the culture. I mean, we all go into distributors, uh, for example, from a manufacturer standpoint, and and we talk a lot of uh, a lot about business, but observing the culture itself is is also important. And uh, you know, simply listing things in a in a in a policy isn't very good if you don't have a a culture that has openness. Meaning you can go to, it doesn't matter who you go to, whether it's the CEO's office or the COO or wh wherever you need to go to uh, voice a complaint. Um, that has to be the biggest thing is that that, that type of stuff, it, it, we may list and, pr and probably many, especially these days, many companies list what is not tolerated. But do you have an open door policy so that people feel safe? and 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 can go and talk to folks and know something's going to happen uh, to correct the situation because um, it's it's really hard for me to to um, say that with with that size company that only four people knew about this action going on um, so more people had to know therefore the ones the other people that knew about it that weren't necessarily involved clearly didn't feel safe or correct or whatever in reporting it to somebody else, um, which is uh, not acceptable at all for anything um, uh, in, in a company um, that when someone's doing wrongdoing that they shouldn't be. And in this case, egregious. Um, uh, so that's how I think we can all learn from is look at it. Check, check the culture, and when you're going into businesses, check their culture and understand when you walk away, I don't care if they can do you know, millions of dollars, might not reflect well with our company if, if they're representing us. Yeah, and that's a really good point, is, is there, there comes a point in time where 
where money doesn't have, you know, doesn't, doesn't play no effect. This is more about right. treating people right. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Our next story comes to us actually from our friends over at SCN and our buddy Megan Dada, who we would get to hang out with on June 17th uh, at the AV3 uh, event. Mitchell will put a link on, on that if, if you're interested in registering for that. Uh, Megan sat down with Senior Vice President of Exhibition and Event Services at Avixa, uh, Rochelle Richardson, about the upcoming um, the upcoming Infocom show. And, and she goes through a, a number of different questions, asking Rochelle about things like, you know, making sure that the, or, or asking the question is whether or not Avix is going to hold to the CDC recommendations, such as masks and social distancing, uh, what they're doing with cleaning cleaning protocols. Obviously, Avixa doesn't clean the system. The, the Orange County Convention Center uh, does, but they, Orange County has a global bio-risk advisory council, uh, and they are, you know, assessing everything. Everything uh, coming down to all the way to the fact that there's going to be more food locations. Just for the record, that I'm the I, that is the one thing I am most excited about. Just for the record, as somebody who's gone to a number of these, and Matt and Tim are laughing at me because they know exactly what I'm going to talk about. You st- stand an hour in the line for a cold slice of pizza. Anyhow, Erica, we'll start with you on this. Um, does does what Rochelle's talking about? Does that make you more comfortable, less comfortable? Does it ease any concerns uh, about getting back in in person come October? Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say necessarily one way or the other. I mean, for me personally, I didn't have concerns. I'm already planning on trying to go anyway. Um, I think that we're just going to see this a lot, whether it's a a trade show or a concert venue or anything like like that. People, people have to do, they have a checklist they have to follow. They have to follow the checklist on, you know, what is being required of us by law and what are we seeing as public reaction so that way we can try to get people to be here um as many people as we can um it sounds to me like they're planning on following the rules and doing the right thing and keeping things clean and making people feel safe so i mean i I think it's good i think we should probably get used to seeing more stuff like this moving forward matt same kind of question uh as the executive vice president of of, uh, at least you're, you're going to be responsible for, for a number of folks, including a booth uh, at Infocom. So do what what are some of the what are the steps here that that make the most sense or, or make you most comfortable uh, heading down to Orlando come October? Well, in general, I th- um, certainly the vaccination levels, um, are, I think, are making us all a little more comfortable uh, and then reading through um, what. Infocom or instructing the, the, the contractors that work there as well uh, with the cleaning protocols and so on um, and, and adhering to whatever the, the local laws are um, or rules, I should say, uh, regarding this. Certainly that makes us feel more comfortable. And, and honestly, the, if we think back to, and I, it feels like it was 10 years ago, um, when a lot of us went to, we attended ISE um, and just thought, okay, this thing's in China, Every, we should be okay. And most of us came back and, and we didn't get sick, um, not even a common cold, which is very uncommon after you go to a trade show. But what did we do different? I, I, I went with a number of, I uh, um, talked to a number of colleagues afterwards uh, the, the show about not being ill after coming back from ISC and uh, if, regardless of COVID. And 
One of the things we all did, we sanitized our hands like crazy. We washed our hands. We didn't, you know, you shook someone's hand, you, you sanitized, no one took offense to it. Or you didn't shake hands or, or you didn't hug or whatever the, so I, I think, you know, looking back on that experience, the steps were that uh, Infocom is, or, or I should say, Avixa is talking about implementing at um, Infocom all makes sense and w will actually just, I think, be healthier in general. Um, so uh, that we don't get the trade show crud afterwards, even if there wasn't uh, COVID-19 around. I, I just think, um, you know, it, it makes sense and it, it looks like um, I, I like the thoughtfulness behind it. Just for the record, I, I am a hugger, so y'all feel free to hug me whenever you want. I don't. <laughs> I did it all during ISA too, just even though it drove Joey Lloyd crazy. Uh, Joey's from Avixa, and they had rules that during that. So anyhow, uh, Mr. Trost, you've been around the world actually with me uh, for Legrand's uh, various uh, um, institu uh, installations at, at trade shows. Mm -hmm. Um. You guys, not necessarily you specifically, but you guys were actually head um, to your first trade show in September uh, by way of Cedia in Indianapolis, um, the resi side of, of Legrand. What does what Rochelle's talking about? What what does that give you as someone who has been to these shows? Uh, most likely, will be in Orlando uh, come October. You know what what makes the most sense, and and or what are areas that maybe that they're not thinking of yet. Well, I'm going to go on record and say a very close number two to availability of food is the expectation of clean bathrooms. So oh, yeah. um, I, I think that in and of itself should be something that sticks for the long haul at some of these events. But you know, I think four or five months in the future is just too far to tell. We, we were Many of us were surprised by the mask mandate change. Uh, even the president admitted he was surprised by the CDC's announcement. So looking forward that far into the future, I think the most important piece I gather from the communication is there's a heightened sense of awareness and there is an expectation and accountability that our industry trade associations are taking to people's health and well-being. And they will monitor, they will manage, and they will hold the standards at a bare minimum to local regulations, rules, expectations, call them what you will, um, to ensure people's safety. Enforcing them, it's not going to be easy. I mean, we look at what it's like just in our daily lives now that we want to go out to a store, visit a mall, go to a restaurant, and there are varying degrees of comfort with being in close proximity to others. And, you know, these shows, as much as they are domestic shows, still do garner a percent of international participation. And, um, you know, we've got to manage through that and, and handle the the expectations of, of people not only domestically but globally so it, it will change how we manage and how we operate in shows but um, there always has to be a first one right and and you've got to get the first one under your belt experience it and uh, take the necessary precautions and and we'll evolve collectively um, as a company and as an industry and and see what what the future holds but um, trade shows won't look or feel the same in the future that's for sure all right. Actually, on that note, on on you have to be the first one from Sound and Communications, Kavlo, uh, a a a, a, a trades only uh, event for members of the Pro AV uh, community happened May thirteenth, just a couple weeks ago. Several uh, colleagues and friends were there. Joe Way was there uh, doing a panel. Mark Coxon 
Uh, and um, Matt, your team was there. Atlas was there. Shore, Digico, NanoLumens, Aurora Multimedia, a number of folks. Uh, Mike Brown uh, Sestero put this on, and he was actually looking to do this last year. He's been trying to do this for, for, for probably about a year now. Um, first time out, it was uh, they had 400 people registered. 200 people showed up, uh, according to, to Mike. Um, Matt, we'll start with you on this. Do we look at, at stuff like this and, and you know, uh, more local, more, more regionalized, smaller shows popping up throughout the, the, the country where, you know, Mike and his team, he's a local integrator. He, he does kind of an independent show or kind of like uh, some distributors who have kind of, you know, regional shows mm. around the country. Do we see that happening more and more as, as we come out of COVID? Uh, definitely. I I think we're going to see a trend there. This is just kind of a, I guess, spitballing there because um, that show, so the folks that we had attend spoke very highly of how that went. Good. And um, I, I don't want to take us off subject on that a lot, but there, uh, there, was, there was actually a PSA show, uh, I think, about three weeks prior to that in Denver. Yes. That, yep. was, that was also, we were also there, also very well attended. And, and not, not meaning that it was, you know, thousands of people necessarily. It was the folks that were there were the principals. They were the people that, that were really able to make decisions. And I think that's what we found in Vegas as well. So I, I think these smaller targeted shows um, could take hold because they, it's, it's smaller attendance. It's regional, easy to get to. I don't have to fly all the way across the country and, and so on. And, you know, so I, I definitely see it as vi being viable going forward. Tim, same kind of question. You, uh, Matt made the, the, the point there. You don't have to fly all around the country. This also gives your regional reps and your regional folks, whichever direction you go, whether you have our actual rep firms or you have, you know, uh, direct representation from employees, your regional folks to actually come and, and build relationships there within their region. So they're able to, you know, kind of connect with the folks that they're servicing. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be different. And if I take a step back to the last, you know, discussion, we'll see what transpires at these large national and global events like CD and ISE and what the attendance looks like. And I'm sure all the manufacturers and the industry at large is going to pivot and adjust to what people feel comfortable with, what, you know, works, uh, from a local and a global perspective. But, you know, there's another, I think, added dimension here I would add, and that's the cost to travel. You know, mm -hmm. when I look at an, a, a ticket now, I used to be able to go coast to coast for $300. It's $700 right now. And with inflation in food and, and hotels and that sort of thing, you know, I think that's another backdrop to us gathering as an industry at these these large events. And, and it might drive more local and regionalized activities, whether they be individual organizations or Avixa and Cedia and others, um, putting them on to, to help continue the interaction and, and continue the evolution of AV, because as we know, it's gonna be and has played a critical piece in, in the success of, of the, the world and the economy through the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Erica, Tim mentioned the fact that, you know, uh, it's cheaper uh, to, to do regionally. Uh, we're, we're sitting here. Uh, by the time this post, um, ISE, Integrated Systems Europe, 
will will be happening in a in a much different way than it has in the past. Uh, it is going going in person in Barcelona as well as as digitally. It is uh, currently scheduled to do uh, to go ahead in London in a couple of weeks. They did have to cancel both the Germany and the and the uh, Amsterdam shows, but again, more regionalized is what they were looking at. Does that make sense? Where it it's you know. And I, I kind of joke that Erica is just down Highway 70 for me. She's in Kansas City. I'm in, in, in St. Louis. Literally, I could go have lunch with her, right, on, on pretty much any given day. Uh, just bring emails. Three, yeah, three and a half, four hours, right? Um, and it, it, we still haven't, just for the record. Uh, <laughs> but we could. Um, but that's the thing is, is right, if there's a show in Kansas City, I could certainly get up in the morning and, and, and drive over and, and – It'd be a long day, but it could be an easy day trip, right? So, does that make 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 sense as we kind of come out of this, or are you looking more for the bigger bigger shows where it kind of brings everybody together, or maybe a mix of both? So, I'm I'm a little conflicted with it. Um, Tim definitely made a good point with the flights. I mean, not only are you paying almost double, if not more, you can hardly find direct flights anymore. There's you have you know one, two, three layovers. It seems like. Um, but yeah, the, it's it's an interesting dynamic. So I I've, I think it depends on where you are. Uh, you know, being in the Midwest, the types of manufacturers and exposure and stuff that we get here isn't as large as what they might get on the coast. Um, and one of the things that I enjoyed the most about Infocom was that I got to see all the smaller vendors who have the mm. little niche prod, pro- products that, you know, I've been looking for, but haven't been able to find because there's, there's no representation here. It's not, it's not carried here and whatnot. So on the other hand though, the regional ones, you know, we have an integrator who did one right before the, um, stay at home orders happened. And it was great because, you know, they had NEC there and they had, um, Logitech and like all these different manufacturers, but they're all people that, you know, they come into our office regularly and we have lunch and learns. Um, there were a few other companies that I hadn't been able to meet before. So that was nice, but it's nice in the, in the, the, the BD and, um, that perspective. Um, so I, I do like that. I like that people can come together, talk about new products, do all that stuff, but, there's just there's there's something about the larger events that you're gonna get more and you know living in the Midwest sometimes sometimes you don't Google things with the right words and so you don't find them and you know it's it's nice to be able to have a place to go to to explore that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my buddy Don Mead uh, loves those little ten by ten booths in the back forty. That's like that that is all her entire last day of Infocom. That is what she does, and she's found some really, really interesting things over the years. So, yeah, yeah. And to that point too, you know, we have a um, the digital signage that we use in our offices is a company based out of Lenexa, Kansas, in Kansas City, um, and their product is amazing. I love it. I, it's so easy. Their customer service is fantastic, and they're in one of those little. 10 by 10 booths back in the corner. And it's like, if you just take the time and you do go and check stuff out, you, I mean, you never, it's, it's, it's the hidden treasure in my opinion. The big displays are cool, but it's, it's those little things that make the difference. Is that, is that Key West? Yes. Which is just crazy. The fact that a company called Key West is in Kansas. That's a whole new thing. Yeah. Yeah. And no joke their Their CEO walks around in flip flops and jeans for meetings and stuff. Like he, he lives it. It's, it's hilarious. It's awesome. It is. And it is a really good product, too. So, all right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, Mr. Trost, how do people connect with you uh, or uh, Legrand? Uh, I'm out on the socials, LinkedIn, Twitter, at Timothy Trost, or check us out at legrandav.com. 
All right, very good. Erica, thank you so much, ma'am. Uh, how do people connect with you? I definitely recommend checking out Henderson Engineers. We've dot com. HendersonEngineers.com. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff, cool stuff going on, and um, we're always looking for great talent. So I think you'd really enjoy it if you uh, want to check us out. Um, for me, you can find me on Twitter at HaircutFW. Um, LinkedIn, I'm there as well. Hopefully we can connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much, sir. Uh, you you yeah. did a fantastic job your first time, so I appreciate it. Uh, how do people connect with you or Atlas IED? Atlas IED, you can find us on the web at atlasied.com. Um, any of the, we have a great search portal. If you want to find our products, it's there. Uh, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn. All right, very good. And also check out their uh, the uh, brand new uh, version of Atmosphere, Atmosphere 2.0. Um, yes. I have 1.2. 1.2. I'm sorry. 1.2. There you go. Just because I'm an idiot. Um, 1.2. But that that is the 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 product that we had uh, with them here in St. Louis uh, last year. Um, and a thousand memes of me was born out of that. So there you go. Um, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. couple things coming down the pipeline. Uh, check out Matt Scott's show, uh, Resi Week. Uh, we're starting our, our conversations about and surrounding Cedia uh, happening the first week of September uh, in Indianapolis. We'll talk, talk about that uh, as well as... We are rolling out uh, a couple of new things. Uh, check out our XR, our XR Star, uh, which looks at the uh, uh, the uh, um, alternative uh, augmented reality um, and uh, and um, uh, virtual reality uh, using in the AV. So check all that out and more. Also check out our sponsors. These are the folks who help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. And and Legrand and uh, Atlas IED are both one of those. So thank you guys both so much for your support. So all that and more at avnation.tv that's avnation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching that is all the time we have for av week